Warning, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that didn't make it. I'm Hilary B. Bismiaks. Listeners, I'm so excited on this After NaNoWriMo episode to introduce my guest today. Victor Manibo is the author of The Sleepless, which is coming out in September of 2022 from Erewhon Books. Victor, welcome to the show! Hey, Hilary. I'm glad to be here. I... I was so happy uh, we're on a Slack together and I was like looking for specifically nano and post nano guests and you were just like, yeah, I I sold my nano book. Like, (laughs) do you want to talk about that? I was like, hell yeah. So yeah, no, I am so excited to be here and I want to talk about the book and that whole experience. It's, I'm so pumped for us to have that conversation, and I'm so pumped for listeners in the future who you are hearing this right now, because time is fake and the internet is magic. Uh, I'm so excited for all of us right now. So Victor, before we get into the nano stuff, you're going to be reading from the casket. Is there anything we need to know about that? Mm, Not really. I I guess it's it's one of my trunk short stories, and it's a retelling. I think um, as we get into it, uh, the listeners are going to know what story I'm retelling. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm very excited for this story. Awesome. All right. Ready when you are. The casket. I have borne thousands of injuries in my long life, and I did so because I knew my place. This is not to say that I've led a life of resignation or defeat. Indeed, the desire to avenge those injuries has never left my heart but it has always been this amorphous kind of revenge, directed at no one in particular. Not the kind that grew out of some slight or some insult from one of my betters, but the kind that grew out of the notion of having betters at all. Hmm. But how does one redress that, you ask? Your way might differ, but I found mine a lifetime ago, on the day I met Felisa. When the blockades fell, celebrations rang in the streets for weeks, supplied with goods that started to flood our ports once more, along with the shipments of wine and stimulants and hybrid meats came the palpable air of freedom. Everyone predicted that de-annexation would soon follow. It didn't, but that's a story for another time. What did follow were our countrymen, who deigned to return after fleeing the country. In fear, they claimed, but those of us left behind knew better. Mm. Felisa was one of the returned. She hadn't been to Manila in a quarter century and had long stopped calling this place her home. She found the good life in America, a world away, and whatever guilt she may have had at abandoning her motherland was a sewage when the country was annexed and the blockades went up. That invisible barrier sustained only by the sheer threat of force. 
She was one of those people, those who seized on the chance to gawk at us as soon as the country was allowed to open up again. For her and her type, the news feeds weren't enough. They had to see with their own eyes. They may look like our people. She and I had the same skin tone, even the same hairstyle. But they were tourists all the same. They came to see the old country, trapped in time. They wanted to marvel at what had incubated here in our years of isolation. And they took a lot of photos. The slums can't be mapped, I told Felisa when she first tried to hire me as her guide. I was barely 16, and she was twice my age. Not to doubt you or anything, she said. But if you all found a way to power the city and get it online, then surely you should have already found a way to map the place, right? Mm -hmm. Her tone was too clueless to have any malice, and that somehow made it worse. It stung every time someone who should get it didn't get it. It's a cartographer's nightmare. Every couple of days, things get blown up or burned down. Folks move their flatbeds for all sorts of reasons. People built up and out in any which way, even underground. Her eyes glazed over at this. The notion of a sprawl beneath the sprawl hadn't even occurred to her. There are no streets, no house numbers, no stable landmarks. The last network that tried to map the city lost all their drones, netted or zapped, and then scrapped for parts. Despite this, she agreed to my steep fee. Half when we meet, half on the return. The money was nice, but that wasn't why I said yes. The guide business was booming at the time. I agreed because she wasn't like the others the ones who wanted to buy trinkets or mementos, or worse, the ones who wanted to shoot an authentic video experience in full 4D. Hmm. She wasn't here to immerse herself in her heritage, as though that could be found in this carcass of a city. No, she wanted to find her mother's tomb. If not for that, I would have walked away. Hmm. We were supposed to meet at dawn, near the old palace by the river. But as I expected, she came late. The summer heat had done its cooking for the day. The noxious stench rose from the polluted river, and a haze had already enveloped its length on both sides. I gave her the rundown as we approached the river bank. The trek would take three hours. There were no roads, not even for bikes. Not the central in the city, and not for kilometers in any direction. The straight line distance would be quicker, but we had to stay low and close to the ground. She wouldn't have done well on the platforms I traversed anyway, those rooftops that I jumped on. I put on my visor and mask and gave Felisa a light dome. The quickest route was along the banks, I told her, as I handed her the helmet. And then only a couple of kilometers more before we head north away from the river. I checked her air levels and tested the comlink, and then we set out. Hmm. Nothing's changed, and yet somehow nothing's the same, she said as she gobbed at the makeshift towers, scaffolds of high-rises built from aluminum siding and shipping containers. 
formerly abandoned buildings teemed with extensions that cantilevered out of every floor, forming narrow suspended footbridges. Ramshackle saddling dishes jutted out of corners, power lines crisscrossed overhead and underfoot. Everything's made of metal. That's at least an upgrade from plywood, she remarked. More protection from typhoons. The locals eyed us restlessly. I told her to keep close, even as I assured her in the next breath that she should be safe. Mm -hmm. This was my domain, after all. I didn't know everyone, and that would be impossible, but I knew their type and they knew mine. They knew to steer clear unless they wanted to get sliced. Just the same, I tucked Felisa's ponytail into her dome and zipped up all her pockets. At least the woman had the good sense not to carry a purse. <laughs> we went down alleys narrower than, than our own chests, through doors that led to rooms that led to what passed for walkways. She lost her footing a few times, tripping on what used to be a gutter, a curb, a speed bump. Hmm. Every time she stumbled, hollers echoed from above or below us, and she would freeze in her tracks. I told her to ignore them. I lost my way a few times too, but I never let it on. After all, she paid handsomely for someone who knew the terrain by heart, <laughs> ever changing as it was. My visor helped with thermals, and though it scoped out threats, it helped little in guiding the way. I had to rely on memory. Thinking we had cleared the worst of it, Felisa took off the helmet after we turned off from the river. This was a decision she quickly regretted. The stench assaulted her senses with her first breath, and she staggered retching against an old train car. The folks who lived inside it yelled some profanity, banging a fist against their own walls. I yelled back as I helped Felisa to her feet. She took a swig from her hydro pack and put the dome back on. How did we end up here? She not asked after a while. <laughs> How did we let it get to this point? Who is we, I wanted to say. It's like toxic black mold, I said instead. Get a place hot and damp enough, close it up, leave it alone for a bit, and it spreads out over the entire surface. Mm. I turned to her expecting revulsion a grimace of some sort, but she only looked deflated. It's not all bad, I said with unexplained guilt. The rest of the country's fine. People just moved out to the other islands. You do know this isn't all there is, right? Mm. Of course I know, she said defensively. She then told me about her childhood in America, how she was raised by an older sister for most of her life. Her father died young, and her mother came back to Manila to take care of her aging grandmother. That was years before the Chinese came, before they took the land, and before they took from the land what they thought was theirs. Hmm. Annexation followed, then the blockade went up, and her mother got trapped here, along with everybody else who didn't get to flee. Her mother died of an aneurysm. She didn't flinch as she mentioned this, 
and firmly added that she promised herself that she would find her mother's grave as soon as the borders opened up again. It's funny to admit this now, but my eyes welled up when she told me her story. Hmm. She then asked me about my parents, but I pretended not to hear her. <laughs> my family history, as you might guess, is nowhere near as cheerful as hers. A crumbling stone arch announced that our search neared its end. North Cemetery. Red raised letters in faded gold paint. Felisa looked confused, likely because the topography hadn't changed. Except for the archway, the landscape was the same. Shacks, posts, beams, held-out apartments made of metal boxes. Steel slums in all directions, with no indication that we were in the middle of a cemetery. Mm. As we moved past the arch, it became clearer to her. This section of the slums were built atop the graves of the dead. Rows of boxy sarcophagi provided the foundation for rickety, multi-family structures. Mausoleums had been converted into scrap metal storefronts, or limited seating noodle houses, their neon signs casting a warm glow against the old masonry. In some corners, elevated niches have been hollowed out to house a power generator or an icebox. Some tombs had inexplicably been left alone, but these were rare. Are we close? Felisa asked as she took off her helmet again and had another swig of water. I flipped through the image library on my own visor and thanked my stars that my digital landmarks were still locked in place. Hmm. The larger plots were at the far end of the cemetery, I told her. We squeezed through narrower and narrower alleys, navigating through a maze whose walls stretched up to the quickly darkening sky. Soon enough, the roofs of the mausoleums came to view. She could tell that we were close. Felisa took out a vibration gun from her pocket. She held it low and off to her side like a sidearm. Hmm. Right away, I recognized it for what it was, but those lurking around us thought the worst. Frantic footsteps skittered away in a receding echo. What the hell is that for? I asked. I need to get something from inside. This is to break up the concrete and undo the hinges. Hmm. What on God's gray earth are you talking about? My mother's rosary, she said. The old crone was buried with it. I need to get it. Very little surprised me even then, hmm. but this made my stomach turn. Her own mother. I should have known. In the end, they were all the same. The returned, the oppressors. To them, this country is just spoils. My instinct was still right, though. She wasn't like the others. She didn't come here to gawk or to find herself, whatever that meant. <laughs> she came here to loot. Is it pearls? I asked. Rubies, actually. It's an heirloom passed down the family for centuries. That is, 
until my mom decided to keep it for herself. Hmm. I suppose you'll want a cut, she asked. Now, friend, I tell you, I've done a lot of despicable things in my day, but I was no grave robber. Hmm. And for her to think of me so low, as low as I now knew her to be, It'll be around this corner, I said somberly. My gaze scanned the ground before us until it landed on a bottle of wine floating in a swampy gutter among various other flotsam. Hmm. I maneuvered her in front of me, taking her hand as I guided her through a narrow passage. I surveyed the area with my visor checking to see how many eyes watched us. The thermals told me they were around, but not looking, not exactly. And even if they were, I was beyond caring. Hmm. I picked up the wine bottle and hit Felisa in the back of her head. In time, I was able to drag her to the Montillado Family Museum. <laughs> All that I found empty crypts and sepulchres, hollows where her kinsmen had once been. Stem pod wrappers and broken camp pipes litter the ground. Her family might have been old and distinguished, but now their final resting place served only as a junkie flop house. Hmm. The roof to one of the sepulchres had been removed, and what was left was a low wall about chest high. I peered over and saw a pit about four feet down. At the bottom was a casket, its door intact, though broken off the hinges. Clumps of hair and bits of gray rot clung to a tattered lining of yellow silk, but it was otherwise empty. It was here that I lowered her limp body after I emptied her pockets and bound her limbs with wire. Felisa came to when I replaced the helmet over her head and flipped on the switch. Disoriented, she started to feel around with her hands. But before she could get herself up, I slammed the casket door shut. She pounded against the wooden vault with her hands and feet, begging to be freed. The slow thumps told me she still felt weak from being concussed. What are you doing? Her voice crackled through the calm link. Run your hands through the silk. Do you feel it? Let me out! I'm afraid I must leave you here. I turned on the vibration gun, calibrating it with just enough strength to topple over the wall around the pit. I pointed it against the mortar and turned the trigger. A hum came from the chamber quaking before emitting a low woof of concentrated sonic waves. Large chunks of rock crumbled down into the pit. I moved over a few steps to the next section of wall, kneeling down beside it. I aimed the gun, pulled the trigger, and fragmented more rock. Where the rubble didn't fall all the way, I kicked it down the hole. Felisa shrieked with each crash, her screams fearful and anguished. She begged and bargained, 
but nothing she could offer would satisfy me. Please let me go. People will come looking for me, she said. Sure, people will come looking. For the love of God. Yes, for the love of God. The police ceased coming through the comlink, and the silence made me hesitate. Had she suffocated so soon? But then I heard a whimper, and so I continued on my work. Rise, kneel, wreck. Rise, kneel, wreck. I made my way around the tomb as in a ritual, ignoring Felisa's sniffling as I went. At last, I said her name. There came no reply, only a low, primal moan. I felt heartsick. But then I recalled her words. How did we end up here? Well, hmm. this was how. I flipped off my comlink and held my breath. Then with bare hands and all my might, I pushed down the last standing section Oh my god. That was awesome. Uh, Thank you. Uh, That is exactly the reaction that I want. Uh, uh, Like a primal... Yeah. I was like, we were going and I was like, I I think I know where we're going with this, I think. And then it hit me all of a sudden and I was like, yeah, buddy. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad. I I really enjoyed... um, you know, crafting this kind of world and, and you know, doing a retelling mm-hmm. in this world um, because I'd never really done retellings before. So I thought, oh, let me play around with this. Um, yeah. Pretty happy with it. Um, a lot of venues were, were kind of happy. I got <laughs> some, like, you know, personal kind rejections, um, but never quite made the cut. Yeah, I've, I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, it's the uh, nature of the beast, right? It's it's the nature of the beast. And yet here we are talking about things that you have sold. <laughs> yes, yes. Um I I would love to talk about that cuz that's clearly the more exciting one. Yeah, uh before we get into that, I just um I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate having uh a very a just very in the place, like knowing the place, retelling. Like I've never been to Manila. I've, you know, been out of, been off of the North American continent twice, three times, three times in my life. Uh, but I felt very much like rooted in the place there, in this, you know, future, sometime, but still very much like. Uh, very much connected to history. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Like I was really trying to capture the city where I grew up, and you know, um, as with any like colonized nation, country, state, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of income inequality. There are a lot of slums, and there's also like a lot of um, you know mansions right next to like favelas um, for for you know to make yeah. it more descriptive. Um, we don't call them that in the Philippines, but I think like that really conjures up the image of, of what we also have back mm-hmm. home. Um, 
and and so yeah, I think. Oh, let me see. Like, let's do a Casco Amontillado in Manila, but also like, there's no feast, but there's just this slum that we're gonna have to go through, and not the catacombs, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, so I just like tried to have fun with it. Yeah, it also um, it reminded me a little bit of Caitlin Starling's The Luminous Dead, just in terms of like establishing that like just sort of very claustrophobic atmosphere. Yeah, I, I've never heard, uh, I haven't read it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, it's but yeah, that's definitely the vibe. super good if you want to get creeped out. Uh, yeah, I mean, always, always. Always. Like, if a book is, um, you know, sold to me as like, this is creepy, and I'm like, yeah, I'm there, sold. Yeah. Uh, I, I also really appreciated, um, you know, you are an immigrant, I am... I, I call myself half first generation. My dad uh, emigrated to the U.S. Uh, during World War II or right after World War II. My mom's side of the family had been in the U.S. since, you know, the revolution times. Uh, but uh, my dad came from uh, Latvia, so, like, there is... It's not talked about as being, like, a history of colonization there but like Mm -hmm. the baltics were you know overrun by the soviets and it is like he he talks about he doesn't want to ever go back to latvia because uh i think like uh oh i've forgotten her name all of a sudden but the the sense of there's no there there Mm -hmm. anymore yeah yeah And, and you know i think that's very common for like you know, a lot of immigrants do do leave, and then um, they have varying views of of their motherland or their fatherland. And some people miss it. Some people like don't want to look back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely wanted to capture that. I also wanted to capture like how um, you know um, when in that window of time when traveling to. Cuba was allowed for U.S. Um, citizens. Mm-hmm. How like a lot of people wanted to go check out, like, oh, you know, Cuba looks like so old world because, like, you know, they 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 had these like blockades and embargoes, and like, yeah, not people can't come in, and 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 I, I thought like that's such an interesting mentality, and mm-hmm. and there are a lot of those kinds of tourists, and I don't, I'm not trying to necessarily make a value judgment as to tourism. I think with the story I was trying to say something more about like if you're from this country if you're from the philippines and then um you're acting like one of those people who are there for like what is essentially um poverty porn or like mm-hmm. finding your heritage like i i i i don't necessarily like that right yeah <laughs> um, uh so so i think that's what i was going for but i thought like uh, that's that's a really interesting dynamic or like uh, a really interesting like human desire to see like oh, this place is kind of, you know, it might have been trapped in time. Let's see what it's, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah there, there are lots of great reasons to travel to your ancestral lands, to, the tra- to travel to the lands of your forefathers, grandfathers, yeah. anything like that. But right. maybe not for, like, don't do it for the gram. Don't do it for the gram, right? Uh, and you know, not for the morbid curiosity, and and especially for the story. Don't don't go there just to loot 
you know, the family yeah. jewels. <laughs> Just in general, don't do grave robbing. Like, yeah, even if it's no. your family grave. <laughs> yeah. Like, as a baseline, never do that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So we are, uh, through the magic of podcasting, this will be going up uh, around the 20th of December, but we are sitting here talking uh, on the 22nd of November, uh, and we are still in the very midst of NaNoWriMo, uh, and we're talking about a book that you wrote in NaNoWriMo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so The Sleepless is going to be my debut novel. It's coming out June 2022, um, and I just f- literally found that out three days ago. I, I, was I like, know. I was so excited to, like, see the PW announcement and, like, I've been retweeting all this stuff since I I saw the... It's just like, yes! Yes! And and I'm so happy. I appreciate the support. But, yeah, The Sleepless, which is to be my debut novel coming out next summer, is a NaNoWriMo book. And I... It was actually my first NaNoWriMo project ever. Um, This was back in 2017. Fantastic. We love to see it. Yeah, it's just had this um, kind of torturous journey, um, but with with a fairly happy ending. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this uh, wondering, like, okay, I I won NaNoWriMo. I, I got at least my 50,000 words, whether or not I actually finished the book in that prescribed time period. Like, what do I actually do next? So can you talk us a little bit through uh, at least the sort of like 30,000 foot overview of uh, how this went from, you know, finished this book in a month or at least wrote 50,000 words of it in a month to going to be on bookshelves? Yeah, sure. Um, it was kind of surreal finishing NaNoWriMo because I... It was a new thing for me. I had never done it before. I've always wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I honestly decided to do it uh, in 2017, like maybe three days prior. I'm going <laughs> to do this. You know what? I had this like story seed um, that just came to me, and I'm just going to do it. Let's see if I make it. And I, I plug away, and... You know, some days are bad, some days are good, as mm-hmm. as you know, because like yeah, it We're it right comes in, in waves, right? Um, and 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 then I finished, and I was like, wow, uh, I can't believe I did it. When I finished, it was at like I I, I want to say fifty one thousand mm-hmm. words, and the story was kind of complete, and and I thought. Oh, okay. So I did this for shits and giggles, basically, mm-hmm. and now I have this. Ooh, what do I do next? Like, the like if I can do this, I can do every, anything, mm-hmm. which was like a really good feeling to have. Um, so I I didn't even know that like I had to revise it. I didn't <laughs> even know that I had to like have other people read it. Like I I did like I said very little research on on what happens next after writing a book. Mm-hmm. So so that's what I did. The first thing I did was like, okay, now I have this. What do I do next? I went on Google, like, what do you do after you write? Um, and a lot of advice said, 
don't send out your NaNoWriMo manuscript to agents, yeah. uh, you know, revise it. And, 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 and I was like, okay, great. I'm going to revise it. Um, cause I also found out right around that time that 50,000 words is like basically nothing. Mm-hmm. You want a novel length work. So I did research. Um, and I said to myself, okay, now the next step is revising. I need to revise this. Um, but I also didn't know how to revise. And mm-hmm. there's no, there's no, there are resources online. There's a lot of resources online. But there's no, like, kind of network structure community for drafting like NaNoWriMo that you have for revisions. Right. Or nothing as established. Um, so the next step that I did was, aside from research, is, is to go to writing workshops. Um, and that's when I um, learned how to share the work to other people to get feedback and to get notes on how to revise. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really like after the thrill of finishing the 50K that I was like, oh, maybe I can do this for serious. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do this for serious, then then, yeah, maybe I should invest time and money in, in going to workshops. And they're not like fancy workshops. They're like, you know, I live in New York, so there are a lot of writing workshops that you can attend. Like right. Yeah. After work and all that. So yeah, that's what I did. Um, so that was basically the next step was like going to workshops and then revising and revising it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it is that feels very familiar in some ways to me. Like, you know, I I grew up in uh, in a household with my parents both being science fiction fans and like my dad had worked at various magazines in the 80s, and so I had, like, you know, I had some ideas of, like, what you're roughly supposed to do, but, uh, you know, I I very much, like, when I finished my first short story, I was like, okay, and now I'm going to sell this. Like, right. it, it was very much, you know, and, and this was, I wrote that in, in 2005, so, like, the the wealth of information that's out here now was like non-existent comparatively yeah, yeah. uh you and... don't have all these resources online that tell you like okay this is how you submit a story how, this is how you revise like yeah 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 so i was reading you know like ancient ancient blog posts and like <laughs> just kind of like revising things sort of by instinct and not really like sending things to to friends or anything like that because like I didn't have I didn't have a network and there wasn't like you know we didn't have Twitter we didn't have Slack we didn't have all these like amazing resources we have now not to say Twitter is always amazing because Twitter is sometimes (laughs) a shit show but a dumpster fire yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah, that's that is, you know, it, it's really awesome to that you had that like availability and to be in. You know, I, I think it's really great in some ways to be in New York and to like have just so many resources at your fingertips. Right, and and it was really helpful for me too because I, I think, as a person, I, I, I'm better. Um, talking to people face-to-face and, like, building um, friendships and connections face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was I was on the NaNoWriMo forums, and I was trying to forge friendships there, um, but it was a little slow going. I know that, like, if I 
was in a room with some people, I, I like vibe with them better and mm -hmm. I would be able to like probably get more, um, a, a fuller kind of feedback. Um, and, and also I would learn how to provide feedback and, and be exposed to other people's works. So, yeah. so I really sought out some like, um, workshops and, and that's also how I found my first writing communities um, through those workshops. I'm still work friends with, with those folks. And um, yeah, uh, first workshop, I think there were like three of us who came in with like excerpts from our NaNoWriMo projects because <laughs> that's just how it happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I was just thinking back to the first like I, I took I was on in a creative writing program in college and it was not uh, it was varying levels of genre unfriendly in general. Mm, um, sorry. Which, you know, I, I sort of, like, made my own way in it uh, just through, like, sheer stubbornness a lot of the time and, like, found found professors who were more interested in tell a good story and, like, if it's genre, that's fine because you're doing, you know, you're doing the work of telling the story first. Right, and 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 that's really what's important. Uh, I, you know, I, not to rehash one of your recent episodes with Nina about you know genre and mm -hmm. literary distinctions. Um, when I was in workshops, I I had workshops where everybody was doing literary stuff, and I was doing like, you know, science fiction, and I I can tell that <laughs> some folks were were we're giving feedback begrudgingly and, and you can, uh -huh. you know, you can sense that and, and you, you try not to like take it against them. But I also got lucky because I, I did find some workshops that specifically catered to speculative fiction. And, mm -hmm. and that was just like such a whole nother experience. Like everybody got what everybody else was doing and nobody was like kind mm -hmm. of feeling each other out or like looking on, you know, Oh, this, this form or this, um, you know, genre or, or this category is somehow substandard by by the fact that they are that genre or, right. or structure or, or category. Um, and yeah, a good story is a good story, man. Yeah. And, you know, the the people who you meet in, like, if you have a good workshop, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with, still in touch with people from my college class, obviously. Uh, I went to a small enough school that, like, I knew basically everybody, at least on site, if not by name. Uh, but, like, it wasn't until I took uh, one of Mary Robinette Kowal's classes that I, like, found a community that we haven't... In the last couple of years, like, things went crazy and we kind of haven't had our regular get-togethers. But for, like, I don't know, three years or so before that, we were, like meeting every week like oh, producing nice. new work constantly that's uh so and awesome. like being in those being in that space like opened new communities to me and one of my uh one of my friends from that workshop went to the viable paradise workshop and mm -hmm. then i met a bunch of other writing friends through her and then you know was invited to a Slack through that and invited to another Slack and, like, you know, got all these Twitter mutuals and all this stuff that just, yeah. like, you know... It it didn't happen through luck. It happened through, 
you know, like you were doing, like putting in the work mm-hmm. and being receptive to the fact that it's a process. Yeah, and it, it, it is a process. It's a long process that involves both craft, right? Because you have to be, you know, butt in front of the computer. But there's mm-hmm. also the part of it that's the community getting feedback and knowing, like, how to get feedback and uh, give feedback and um, knowing what other people are doing and, mm-hmm. and kind of... Um, almost like bouncing ideas off of each other. I think that's such uh, an important part of the writing process, at least my writing process. Mm-hmm. Um, Very same. I know, I know some some folks tend to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to bang this out and no, not going to tell anyone about it, not going to mm-hmm. workshop it because um, I don't want, I don't want the work to wilt in the presence of other people's eyes. <laughs> and then that's fairly valid. Um, that's mm-hmm. not how I roll. I, I, I needed the community as well. I needed to be able to say like, Hey, what do you think of this? I'm trying to, trying to do this. Is this, is this lame? Mm-hmm. And hopefully you have a f- writing friends like good enough to tell you like, yeah, that's kind of lame. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I was just thinking like, this this is the second NaNoWriMo this year that I will win unless Yay! like I drop dead right after recording this somehow <laughs> uh you know fingers crossed that doesn't happen but like fingers crossed a, yes a lot of the don't die I, if that happens I don't think anybody's going to hear this episode so oh, no well at least we had the conversation <laughs> at least we had the conversation but uh a, a lot of the reason that that's been like able to happen is that like I had I've had like two separate rubber de- rubber ducky sessions with uh, Jennifer Mace of just like okay I have all these vibes but I need to turn it into a plot and then like this weekend we both were at a point where it was like okay I wrote myself some very unhelpful notes. <laughs> For what's supposed to happen next, can we just like talk these things out and uh, yeah, you know, like I definitely, you know, for me, like sometimes I do have to like write in a vacuum and like I can't write if somebody's looking over my shoulder directly. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah. I, like I have friends who stream their writing sessions during Nano, and yeah. props to them. Like uh, yeah. Valerie Valdez is like. Yeah. Couldn't be me. Could Couldn't not be, me. be me. Couldn't be me. But like <laughs> being able to, you know, share snippets in in Slack or on the forums of like, you yeah. know, here's what I did recently, and like thinking about, you know, even back in like my undergrad days, I was doing that on, uh, I was on the Brass Goggles forum because that was when mm-hmm. steampunk was really big, <laughs> and I had this like crazy novelette idea that was mostly just like two people writing letters back and forth about how smart they were to each other Mm -hmm. uh and no good not a good story (laughs) but having like even though i was sort of like writing it in this vacuum of like nobody was looking at me like I would write a section and then I would post it on the forum and people would be like, this is amazing. I love this so much. And like, you know, that, that got me through so much. Like, you know, I I learned like, okay, yeah, I can actually write like a 10,000 word story. (laughs) 
yes, and sometimes that's really all you need. Just yeah. dump out the words and then make it better later, which is, you know, the whole point of NaNoWriMo. But yeah. to go back to what you were saying, like, the cheerleading element, at least to me, is is very crucial. I, I, I do get through slumps when um, people see my snippets and say, like, oh, this is, there's something here like this is mm-hmm. this is kind of cool this is rad like you know that 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 kind of fuels me um so I, I definitely feel what you were saying yeah so um i i don't know if it came through on my end but there was just this weird sound in here and then a blue police box showed up and <sighs> oh i'm wondering if we can step into this time machine and go back to uh, you know, October 1st of 2017, and if you, present-day Victor, can have any words of wisdom you'd like to share with past Victor and with anybody who is, you know, trying Nano for the first time, intimidated by Nano, just, like, needs needs some words of encouragement there. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, I would tell, you know, past Victor... Um, that NaNoWriMo is for getting words on the page. They're not going to be pretty words. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be brilliant. They're not going to make sense most of the time. They're not going to be grammatically correct. Um, and, and, you know, fuck punctuation, fuck pacing, fuck everything. Um, I can curse on this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just get anything and everything you can on the page. Um an internal editor is is horrible um, in in a lot of ways. It works for some people, um, but for you, past Victor, an internal editor is your worst enemy. So, just get the words on the page, and that's what Nine Rhyme is going to allow you to do. Mm-hmm. And if you just you know put in the work, you know four or five hours every night, you'll you'll have something at the end of it. You might not think it's good, but yeah. it'll get better. It's a first step. And it's going to be the first step of many that will yep. do something great down the line. Um, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I think that's it. I, yeah, um, yeah. Just, just keep piling on. Like, who said that? Like, you know, this is you putting the sand in the si- sandbox, right? That's a mm-hmm. well-known, well-known like aphorism about this whole process of drafting. Just put the sand in the sandbox. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the these last two years of doing NaNoWriMo for me have like really taught me a lot about my process. And like, I wrote I wrote a novella that's currently out on uh, out on sub to small <laughs> presses. Uh, I'm so excited that like I wrote that in 2018. I think doing trying to do like a NaNoWriMo-ish push for myself to get it ready for uh, Tor.com was having an open submission period, and I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to get yeah. a novella done for this. Totally did not. <laughs> like, I, I finished it before the open submission period opened, but I, you know, I got one set of feedback on it and looked at it and was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And, you know, just sat on it until this summer when I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it. There's a market I really want to target for this. Uh, And, like, you know, 
even if it doesn't sell at that market, which, like, you know, it's publishing. Who knows? Right. But it got me through the process of, like, doing substantial edits on a big project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, like, sort of warmed me up for doing NaNoWriMo this year, where, like, it really is just, I know about how much time I'm going to need to write this many words. I am going to sit down. I am going to write... I am going to have people on one screen just cheering me on. Yes. And, yes. you know, encouraging each other to do word sprints. And I am not going to worry about how little sense anything makes. Because I can underwrite the hell out of this now and fix it in edits. Yeah, fix it in post. That's what I always tell myself. Like, yeah. It, it's not going to be pretty the first time around. Um, and also I wanted to say, like, you know, I I did finish um my nano project that first time i did 50k but i know that there are a lot of people who won't get mm-hmm. to 50k and and any new word on a page is a victory really. yeah absolutely like, i i've done nanorimo every year since 2017 because i'm like hey you know what it worked let me keep doing <laughs> that but i didn't win every year like and this mm-hmm. year um i i'm not gonna win i know i know Right now, I'm not going to win, and you know um, that's why I haven't been showing up to the slacks <laughs> for for the for the sprints because I, I I just you know life got in the way, and you know sometimes life does get in the way. That's just what happens. Like you know, last year was was rough for a lot of people. I know that. Like you know, November 2020 was November 2020 was a time for sure. <laughs> it was. Yeah, enough said. But if I mean, you there's a win... reason that my first of two episodes last November was just my one cat purring for 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> that was the level of content I could manage, and that was the level of content I felt like everybody needed. Seriously, it, it was a time. It was a, a, a time. Um, I did do Nano re- last year, and you know, um, this year I'm doing it again, and I know I'm not going to win, but like, I'm not beating myself up for it. And I guess, like, that's something I would have told past Victor as well. Like, hey, if you don't win, that's okay. At least you got started on this this, this journey. Because mm-hmm. um, it's new words, new words on a page. New words that you can use and cannibalize for other projects. Yeah. Yeah. Like, any words you write are a victory, like you said. And, you know... Maybe you don't use them. Maybe you figure out halfway through that this just isn't a project that has legs. But, like, figuring out a project doesn't have legs is still an accomplishment. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, look at a two-sentence nebulous idea in your, like, write this someday folder and know that it's not going to work out necessarily without doing it. Right. And sometimes you need... 20,000 words before you realize this is not going to work. Like, yeah. Before you realize this idea is cool, but this idea is just one scene that I can't expand into a novel or even yeah. a short story. Like, this idea should be a screenplay and not a story mm-hmm. or a novel. And, and that's fine. Um, that's fine. That's great. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. You, you, but you, you're not going to find that out unless you try it and you put words on the page and and then you read those words and like it's not working. So I guess like let's try this a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I know we've talked a lot about the sleepless. Is there anything else that you have coming up that you're excited to tell folks about? Um, not really. No other projects. There is a second book after Sleepless. It's not a sequel, but it's also another sci-fi book coming out in 2023. Not sure how much I'm allowed to say about it just yet. That's um, fair. Well, but what we... I'm excited about in the next few weeks is I'm going to Worldcon. Um, well, yes. by the time this airs, Worldcon is over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited about Worldcon. It's going to be my first Worldcon, so... Um, That's awesome. To see um, writing friends um, that I've mostly only seen, met, or talked to online, and to see them in real life is is so exciting to me. So Absolutely. maybe some of the listeners were there when they hear this. Um, it was yeah. nice seeing you at Worldcon. Shouts to you, listeners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I'm super excited to know that there is a another book coming after this one and uh, I will be eagerly awaiting updates on that as you can say things. Uh, in addition to what you have coming up, is there anything that you've been reading, watching, listening to recently that you're super pumped up about that you want to hype up for other people? Okay, um, This is going to be a controversial pick, but... I'm um, here for it. <laughs> um... So I love the original Cowboy Bebop, and now I'm rewatching the Netflix mm -hmm. live-action adaptation, um, and I am digging it. I, I think um, I might be in the minority. I know some people have a lot of quibbles, and some people mm -hmm. have major issues with it. Um, I'm enjoying the ride. I, I'm like halfway through the season, um, and I think one of the main reasons I'm able to do that is because I've been able to compartmentalize like this is a different mm -hmm. thing that i can appreciate on its own it's like you know i'm just watching another like firefly that yeah. looks a lot like cowboy bebop and that's okay because i love like you know uh space bounty hunter stories and found family so like this is fun for me um so i'm really digging that fantastic um, yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't dug into it yet because I've just been in the nano word mines so deep and like hey. uh, podcast recording and being on on call for my job and like a million a million billion things. I'm like, okay, in December I'm gonna play a lot of <laughs> Animal Crossing. I'm gonna watch the new Cowboy Bebop. Yay. Like, Yay. awesome. The Expanse is also coming up soon, so. Um, I don't know if you watch that. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Well, Victor, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get going, where can our listeners find you online? Um, you can find me at Victor Manibo. That's V-I-C-T-O-R-M-A-N-I-B-O. Um, that's my um, username on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also on victormanibo.com. Fabulous. Well, listeners, links, as always, will be in the show notes, though, depending on how busy I am, it might take me a few days to get those <laughs> uploaded. Uh, Victor, it's been so much fun having you here. An absolute delight, and I can't wait to have you on again. So, so, so much fun. Thank you for having me. I would love to come back on and just jam with you. This was, this was great. Yeah, I, I've heard that you have a book coming out in the new year, so, you know, maybe <laughs> come on the show for a book tour. Yeah, absolutely, would love to. Uh, and, you know, um, talk about uh, more fun stuff then. 
Yeah, I'll have my people talk to your people. <laughs> I don't have people. I am the people. That's I am it. also the people. <laughs> that is the creative life right there. You're a one-man team. Yep. Oh, Listeners, stick around next month when our guests will be Jenny Golaby and Sam J. Miller. I know. That's awesome. I love Sam. Uh, that's amazing. I love Sam so much. Uh, and Jenny's new book that uh, just came out last month, I believe, or earlier this month. Who knows? Time is fake. Just came out from <laughs> Queen of Swords Press uh, called Obviously Aliens is, from all reports, a rollicking good time. And I'm super excited to read it. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Ryan Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at hbbisniex. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Thank you.